Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the Wickedly Smart Women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforce, and today we welcome our special guest, Alessandra Desiderio. She is the development officer at Colorado Lending Source and the founder of Crew Childcare Rewards app. Her personal experience stems from starting and managing businesses in the areas of childcare, home care, financial and utility services, and nonprofit organizations with a lead specialty of designing maps of how to accomplish dynamic goals that are set with intention. She manages a team of 13 international women consultants, entrepreneurs, and contractors in the areas of technical marketing, public relations, human resources, and business development, and provides quality control to their work. And the Crew Childcare Rewards app, as she said to me in the green room, is the stain on my soul project that she is really interested in making sure that we talk about and advance today. So it is such a pleasure to have you here, Alessandra. You are a woman who wears many hats. And um, today we're going to focus on the business that you are creating and how you've also brokered an interesting deal with the development officer engagement that you have as well. So thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. So I want to talk with you about founding this app. Tell me about this stain on your soul project. I love how you said that to me in the green room. And it's such a a vibrant way of expressing what you're pouring your life force into. So tell us about that and what called you to say yes. Yeah. uh, You know, I left domestic violence 11 years ago and I was able to start over and drive across the country where my car broke down in Colorado. So over the course of the next few years, I found myself clawing at the, uh, you know, at the hole there to get out. And during that time, I experienced what's called the cliff effect, which is what happens when you receive government assistance. uh, And then, you know, you make just a dollar or two more than you qualify for and you get kicked off of all the benefit programs, but those two dollar amounts just don't match. That's what happened to me. I went from $12 and 50 cents an hour to $14 an hour. And I was kicked off of all of the programs, including childcare assistance. So I did what any reasonable person would do. I brought my kids to work with me and hid them under my desk for nine months. Over the course of the next few years, I would really learn that that was a choice that a lot of people didn't really get to make that powerfully, where they didn't necessarily get to bring their kids to work. They went backwards in that system and then would go back to making twelve fifty an hour. Uh, so I became really, you know, passionate about this. I went from trying to 
create a granny share to going and being a lobbyist to going and trying to create a tech solution for employers. And some of them worked and some of them didn't work. And now here we are. And so crew is this eclectic of information. And I like to say the bones, the dinosaur bones uh, from the graveyards of all the other attempts that I have made in an effort to make childcare affordable, but I just can't let it go. So it just doesn't go away. It's that thing. Like I said, it just is stained. It just does not stop eating at me that there are people that can't work because they don't have childcare and they can't feed their kids because they can't work. And so this vicious cycle is literally destroying families, generations. And then we even have conversations like societal conversations where we make people like that really wrong. And we say, well, they could just stop the cycle. So, you know, there's, there are all these conversations that, are infuriating me and I can't just let them go. So they draw me back, you know, like uh, Al Pacino. Is it Al Pacino? And I try to get out, but they draw, you know, pull me back in. That's it. That's childcare. <laughs> well, and you know, the piece that you didn't really highlight there that often also happens is people stay in domestic violence situations until the kids are old enough for you to leave, right? And so let's just really underscore that that's an integral part of this problem. And so congratulations on escaping yourself. Congratulations on having the courage and the tenacity to figure things out so that you could have your kids under the desk for nine months, but that's really not the appropriate place for your kids or for your employer or for you to be your most abundant contributor into the workforce. And thank you so much for saying yes to this calling and you know doing all the things that you've been doing, the experiments that you've been doing to see if you can figure out the way to solve this problem. So let me ask you about, you know, one of the things that I like to, to go down the road of here is about being in this leadership role where part of the work is actually to value your own vision. So I'd love to have you talk about how you have navigated both saying yes to this, right? Saying yes to this calling and being in this startup development phase with it and at the same time, fulfilling your duties as a mom and doing your job and, and working and generating money in other ways, how do you navigate all of that in a way that is as graceful as you possibly can? Yeah, well, first of all, I would never use the word graceful to describe myself. Like I have been struggling with that pretty much most of my life. I remember I had friends that were ballerinas and gymnasts and they describe themselves that way, or they would, you know, use the word graceful in those little exercises when we were kids. And I, that's not my word. Like I'm not graceful. Like I am clonking through life. And a lot of the time I'm beating into something that I shouldn't be beating into or, you know, head first into a brick wall. And I'm like, no, no, I can get through it. I can get through it. You know, just giving myself brain damage the whole time trying to get through that wall that I should not have been through. So not necessarily the, the, the graceful way of, of going through life. I, I think and that's how I do it is I, I fail a lot. And the best partners for me are the partners who appreciate that. Like 
my clients that like me are the ones that like the fact that I go and find the things to fail at really fast in their business. So when I'm a consultant, that's what I provide. You know, when I started working with Colorado Lending Source, I really was just there in an effort to support organizing the executive director's office and getting an understanding of how could he best empower the other departments and then empower himself and, you know, his outward facing, his um, community facing role, the things that he needed to do for those parts of his role, how could he best manage that? And there was a lot of trial and error there. There was a lot of failure there. And, you know, that's why we work so well together as a team. So anyway, I think that that's what's helping me in crew too, is that I really take on these tasks and, and I hire people even to try to see, is this the right person? Is this the right way to do this? Um, do they, if they can understand what I need and they're kind of an entry or mid-level person, then I know that I'm on the right track. But if they can't, then I know that my messaging is wrong too. So I'm kind of using these tests based on what I have availability to, because I don't have, you know, millions of dollars. I'm not bootstrapping this with my parents' money. I don't, I just don't have access to those things. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad to have them. It's just not something that I have access to. So I'm trying to be creative with how can I do these, these tests on another note. If you haven't heard of Tom Chi, I really love that guy. He's great. He's a um, Google Glass, you know, team member, like founder of that. And he talks about rapid prototyping. And ever since I heard about, you know, rapid prototyping from him, I've been on that trip. That's the thing that I really love to focus on. And that's what I like to do is is rapid. And by the way, rapid prototyping is, it hurts. It's not an easy or, you know, fun thing to do. You're beating yourself up a lot. So in the beginning, when I started doing that, and I didn't know how to do it in a structured way, I took the results really personally. And that drove me into this terrible depression that I questioned if I was even making a difference. And, you know, after being able to kind of come out on the end of that or on the, you know, back end of that, I'm starting to see that, that it's really about positioning and it's really about how the team is built and how the structure is conveyed and can I get the messaging through and not trying to do these giant tests that bankrupt all in one spot, but breaking them out. That, that takes time to learn. That's not something that you always know how to do. Even if you are somebody who is textbook trained in project management, until you screw up at a project, like really screw up, then I just don't know that you actually know where all the pieces go. And, I, and that's why I think this is working more than the others. I love that story. And I love how you are illuminating the importance of being willing to fail, being willing to screw up, being willing to keep pursuing and valuing your vision, regardless of how many times you hit your head against the wall. And, you know, it's interesting that you say, you know, you, it does require time. And I'll say for myself, when I started my business, I was just throwing it out there. You just throw it out there and you do the best that you can. And thankfully, I was a single mom at the time and I was able to generate almost $2 million from home as a single mom, raising my son over the course of eight years of adolescence that was absolute hell. And then everything, when he left everything collapsed because I literally was running on adrenaline for eight years and my whole business collapsed. And now I'm actually in the process of going back through everything 
and doing those pieces, those little pieces that somehow miraculously I was able to bypass in the first go round. But now as a result of the failure that I had when I finally crashed and burned, I'm appreciating those little pieces more and the time delay. So we are already at the break. It's amazing how quickly this comes. When we come back, we are going to let people know how they can find out more about Allie and her Crew Child Care Rewards app. But right now, I want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. We are now up to 36 countries with this particular podcast. And I have an announcement to make, actually. I have recently sold my Men on Purpose podcast. So by the time this airs, that will already be under somebody else's stewardship. And uh, by the time this airs, we might be at hundreds of countries for Wickedly Smart Women. But right now, I want to shout out to our listeners in, let's shout out to our listeners in the Netherlands and in Sweden. And we will be right back with Alessandra Desiderio. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Alessandra Desiderio. She is the founder of Crew Child Care Rewards app. This is an app that is designed to do some interesting things, and you can find out more about it at crewchildcareapp.com. And when you go there, you can reach out to her to see about having a private test of the app because she is in development and help her with the feedback and all of the other things that she's going to ask for as a result of having you test the app. I'm going to ask you, Allie, what is it specifically that this app is intended to do and how have you been making choices around channeling your own creative power as a kind of a side question? Like, First, let's talk about what the app does, but you are channeling your creative power into making this happen. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about the personal experience of how that feels and how you're making choices and what you're deciding to do and not deciding to do and all the kind of pieces of the creative process, if you can share with our listeners. Yeah, sure. So the app is designed to make childcare affordable, like very flatly. That's what we want to do. And that's different than what exists right now, because most of the 112 apps that we found in the marketplace, 
um, both the Android and the, and the iPhone marketplace there. They're focused on availability. They're focused on making accessible to find childcare providers, which is important. I don't want to negate that, but that is not a direct that's not a direct goal to affordability. It's kind of a roundabout goal to affordability. It contributes to affordability, but it's not saying I care so much about the cost going down. So that's what our app does. It works by incentivizing parents to share information about the informal childcare options in their area. And that looks like grandma, aunt Susie, you know, the, the, babysitter Janie down the street that maybe aren't on a specific care platform, but they are out there and they are willing to watch your kid. And, you know, not so long ago, we were very reliant on childcare that was community-based childcare. So it's kind of pulling back that still exists. How do we capture it? That's what we're doing is we're building an app to capture that information. Um, and then we're serving the, pro the child care providers by allowing them to have access to a marketplace of low-cost field trips and resources that they may need for their, you know, their, their center. And we're engaging businesses by giving them access to a fund, a cloud fund that they can then use through their app, their employees can use through our app or their, you know, secure login. And they can go and find childcare providers and pay for care with their employer's support. So it kind of works in this threefold ways where it engages parents to share about information that exists in the market. It incentivizes providers by giving them access to resources that they don't really have elsewhere. And then, you know, engaging businesses to have this as an employee perk program. And all of those three communities working together starts to lower the cost down as we share our revenue with our users. So if you're part of our network, we're going to pay you to give that information, then you can use that, you know, payment towards your childcare costs in the future. So again, it's kind of like this uh, cohesive uh, ecosystem of childcare payments, right? And, and communities working together. And so how does that look like for me as a founder? Yeah. It's tough, by the way, because I'm a non-tech founder. I'm a super non-tech founder. I'm so non-tech that when I was eight and my brother was six and we had the Super Mario uh, console, I hated that thing. I could never get over that one jump. I know you all know what jump I'm talking about. I couldn't get over it. I'd throw the thing and I'd go storm off and I'd go play outside. And that's kind of very indicative of my personality is I don't do super tech stuff. I'm the person that can connect with the audience, right? But that's not how this works. If you want to be a founder and you want to be a tech founder, if you even want to be a co-founder that's not non-tech founder, you still got to go out and learn enough that you understand the language because it's, it's basically like another language. It's like Chinese. It's like Finnish. It's like Italian. It's anything else. You got to learn the language. And that is sloppy. Learning a language is sloppy. Have you ever gone to a new, new country and tried to ask to go to the bathroom? It doesn't go well, you know? And so that's the same thing. I'm basically asking how to go to the bathroom to build this app. And it was, it's been very tough. So teaching myself how to be a non-tech or how to be a tech founder from a non-tech founder has looked like me actually drawing out what I see, and then finding the right people to say, can you see what I see? Am I crazy to think that this might work? And just engaging those different communities, because again, that's what I'm good at. So then why not try to put it on paper? 
things like product specifications documents, PSDs. I didn't know what that was before I started this. I didn't, I don't know, right? So I had to go and, and research like what goes in a PSD and why do I need it? And how does that help the developers understand what information I'm putting in the app, right? So it was more than just drawing out screens. It was also understanding the user stories and what is a user story and why is that important? And I was you know, ready to hand that off to the developers until I did some research which said, hey, no, the, the founder needs to do the user stories. So you see, it kind of is this rabbit hole of sorts that I am falling down and just grasping at the roots as I go down in an effort to say, I don't understand everything. I'm probably never gonna understand everything. But if I can get enough of the pieces together and enough people that understand the pieces, then, I'll be able to get somewhere in development. I'll be able to get my point across, find the right partners to help bring it to life. And, and I'm seeing that that's happening as I have development. You know, my brother is the tech guy, right? He's super tech, works for Microsoft. Um, and many times he's like, I have no idea how you're gonna make this work. I have no idea how you're gonna make this work. Like this doesn't even sound like it could work. How are you gonna make money on this? And so to his very cruel way of saying, I don't, I don't know how this is gonna work, is pushed me to find people who can help me answer those questions. Mm. So even though I hate his feedback, it's probably some of the most valuable feedback that I've had because he's just so short about it. You know, he doesn't care what the end result is as much as I do. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, when we're trying to grow something, sometimes we need the resistance in order to grow something really strong. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we need ease and grace. <laughs> so what I'd love to ask you in the final few minutes that we have here is, what is it that you require right now in your own life, in your own business, you know, whether it's money or whether it's, you know, support? And how do you go about kind of identifying for yourself what you actually need and then asking for it. Yeah, man, that's such a good question. I mean, because the way you frame it, you know, is, is such a way of saying, you know, not just how can we help you, but what do you need? And, and I got to be honest, so I don't have a problem asking for money. I mean, that's why I'm in the role that I'm in for Colorado Lending Source. That's why people approach me to help them with consulting, because I just don't okay, if you're not going to give me a million dollars, we can't do this thing. It's not, there's no personal attachment to the dollar amount for me in the same capacity that I think maybe it is for people who didn't spend 15 years in sales. But that being said, the easiest ask is sure. If you know an investor, probably a woman, but definitely men have interest in this. But if you know a social impact investor who is like, yes, you know what? Childcare is too affordable or they've done other childcare investments, or they've done other social impact investments, they're a great match for us. Please introduce us. Doesn't matter which stage they fund, we'll get some, you know, get some kind of relationship started so that in the future, maybe it's a fit, maybe not, but it's a great relationship point. So, you know, sure, introduce us to investors. But really, we want you to be passionate about childcare the way that we're passionate about childcare. You know, I, I have a team now of, seven women and men that are really passionate about having this work. Like mm. they care a lot about people being able to access work the way that I do. And that's what I want to see is if you're not lit up about having access to work, we need to have a chat. 
And if you are, I'd really like to have you on our team, on our follower list. Like that's going to be the best thing that you can do for us is go follow, be engaged and get excited about childcare being affordable and, and something that's attainable for everybody. Cause that's what we're building. That's what's most important here. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you're obviously here to lead a movement and you're talking the walk and walking the talk over there. So I want to ask you one quick final question before we come to a close, Allie, and that is, how do you navigate for yourself when you have this big passion project that you really are pouring so much into, and then all of a sudden things change and you have to add more you know, more responsibility to your plate or you have to make decisions about things that you have to let go of. Like, can you talk just a little bit about maybe your decision-making process and how you come to clarity around what you have to let go in order to make other things actually go? Yeah. I mean, it's like you're in my head, right? That last week I had a situation where I had somebody on my team that was really just I felt like they were a pinnacle part of the team and something happened and now they're not part of the team anymore. Right. And it doesn't really matter what the something happened is. It's just that realization and that relationship with the end of the professional relationship and the end of the impact is something that I needed to wrap my head around because in the past that exit was really painful for me. And I get attached to people. I want to help them. I care about them. And then when you work with me, I really care about you, right? So when you're no longer around, like there's some grieving that I hadn't mastered. And can I speak to some one particular thing? No, it's being able to learn about grief and deal with my grief in all the facets because I have all these other traumatic situations, right? That grief comes up everywhere else. But being able to understand and have a conversation with myself about grief, that's what's helped me to kind of get from, okay, something is wrong to something can be recreated. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I'm not an expert at that. I'm still totally learning through it. But the realization that there's even something that I can do, that's an improvement from five or two or four years ago, you know, four months ago even. So I think that mostly my biggest takeaway is having a relationship with my grief. Yeah, that. Beautiful. I love it. So good, Allie. So good. What gold we got here today. Pearls of wisdom. So ladies, please check out crewchildcareapp.com. Get in touch with Allie. Do your best to put her together with people who can fund her, possibly people who can help her get this app uh, technologically functioning in spite of her brother <laughs> and all the things so that we can make childcare affordable because that's what it should be. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. I want to actually also just highlight that Allie was a listener and has become a guest. And we do appreciate listeners who become guests. So if you're a listener and you feel like you would like to become a guest, 
certainly go to wickedlysmartwomen.com and click the apply button. I can't guarantee that you'll become a guest, but I will receive the application. We will receive the application. If our production team thinks you're a fit, then we will give you the big yes. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.